It's my pleasure to welcome you to the Clark Howard Show, where our mission is to serve you and empower you so you make better financial decisions in your life. In this episode, if you've changed employers over the years, listen up. I have some homework for you to do to make sure you haven't lost some of your hard-earned money. Later, Amazon is now starting to announce their plans, well, they have announced their plans, for their new internet service that they are launching later this year. I want to tell you about it and how we are on the edge of having steadily more options for internet for our home or business than we've had in the past. The winner in all this, you and me as consumers. So let's talk about something where we're setting ourselves up for losses. A study from Boston College, which has an often quoted organization called the Center for Retirement Research. What an excellent institution. Since you graduated from there. Go Eagles. And you were uh, summa cum laude? No. What were you? Nothing. You were a graduate. I graduated. <laughs> and your daughter is there now? Yes. And she just got into an honor society. She's, uh, she's studying harder than I did. Your daughter's pretty amazing, by the way. Thank you. You know that. Anyway, they have found, this is shocking, that there are 21 million abandoned retirement accounts in the United States. 21 million of us who had money in a plan somewhere and we've lost track of it. We've forgotten it. The money is there. Okay, so listen to this. The average amount of money in these forgotten 21 million retirement accounts? $60,000. Who forgets $60,000? Apparently 21 million of us have lost track of money over the years. That data is actually not from Boston College, I should point out. New York Times got that data from the Census Bureau and the Department of Labor. See, I gave Boston College too much of the credit okay. there. Pull it back. You don't mind that at all. No, though. nope. So we got 21 million accounts, average $60,000 lost in space. How could this be happening? I'm glad you asked. So what's happened is the number of jobs people have in a working lifetime is so many more than they used to have. All right, so the era that many of us, our parents grew up in, they might have had one job for their entire working lifetime. How long did your dad work for one company? 36 years. My dad, 29 years. It was completely normal to work at one company for a long time or an entire working career. So there wasn't something to keep track of. You'd have whatever account you had, you'd have one of. Today, I would say that someone coming of age in their 20s today may have 20 different jobs, more or less, over the next 40 years. An average, maybe a job every two years, just guessing. And when they're younger, the change may be very frequent. Later in life, may be less frequent. But the number of people who will go to work at a place and be there 
for decades or their entire working career? Almost nobody anymore. The nature of work has changed. Our mentality has changed. The way employers think about us has changed. The way we think about employers has changed. Employers changed before we did. And I referred to it as employers rent us. And then they dispose of us. But today, as part of all that change, we don't tend to have pensions anymore from employers. We have some kind of employment-based retirement plan, typically a 401k, if we have one of those. And that's where the accounts are getting lost, and that's where the money is being left behind. So a couple of things, and we were talking about this in one of our staff meetings, how I've always said that in many cases, it's better to leave money behind in an old employer 401k because the costs may be lower in that plan than you having your own IRA. And based on this information, I really am rethinking that. With the number of jobs people have now, I would say you either move money to a new employer's 401k or move money to your own IRA with one of the low-cost providers. And each time you change jobs, you migrate that money when you change jobs. Because of this, 21 million accounts lost in space? $60,000 average per account lost in space? You could certainly use that money. Now, what's crazy, and where the New York Times enters in, is they were writing about what's involved in trying to find one of these lost-in-space accounts. And it really is like looking for a needle in a haystack. There's no simple, easy place to go to and say, hey, you got money of mine? There are actually several, but no one. It's kind of haphazard ad hoc. So the advice I've given for years and years, I'm really changing on that. And I think if you are a job, what used to be called a job hopper, now completely normal that you change jobs frequently, set up your own Roth IRA with one of my favorite children. You'll see on my investment guide at Clark.com, one of the ultra low cost companies and move that money. And then there's that national registry of unclaimed retirement benefits benefits and then the other ones we've mentioned and the missing national money association segments. unclaimed property administrators which is unclaimed.org and uh labor department has one for abandoned plans that's the problem is oh it could be over here it could be over in this one it could be this other database uh that's a lot of could be's particularly if you're like i did work there i forgot about that i worked there 27 years ago or whatever when you get some age on you. And so uh, this is a problem. Now, I talked about the solution coming, which is the portability network that several of the big 401k providers are launching, where your money will automatically migrate to your most current employer. But a lot of 401k administrators are not participating because they want to hold on to that money. But the bigs like Vanguard are going into this, and that's going to eliminate some of this problem with long-lost accounts. But be active yourself. Be proactive. 
Mary in Michigan says, as healthy retirees with no debt other than a small mortgage on our home and adequate retirement income, how financially smart would it be to put a non-rentable ADU, accessory dwelling unit, on our property as part of a necessary garage update? It could house an aging family member or later our children are hired help as we age in place. We hope to remain in our home for the remainder of our lives and are interested in the cost benefit of this type of project. So Mary, the cost per square foot, the land's already there. The cost per square foot when you're doing a garage project to put an ADU as part of it is uh, so low cost per square foot because you already have a lot of the sticks up cost of building the garage and building the living space, it could be somebody's home office, it could be a dwelling for, as you mentioned, an aging relative or something like that. I love this, love this, love this, because when you go to sell the property, it has significant enhanced value because it has that second residence on the same property that can be used for a variety of purposes. I would find that very appealing as a home buyer. Gregory in Florida says, I'm a pro comedian who just moved from California to Florida. I have $600,000 from the house I sold near Los Angeles. There's a sweet penthouse condo I can buy in Pompano Beach, Florida, but the cost is $750K with a monthly maintenance fee of $1,250. That's $1,250. I have, <laughs> just in case, I have about $2 okay, million in the stock market after all these years and wonder if I can afford the beautiful views of this place or if signing up to pay $1,250 plus whatever assessments are needed make me the dumbest 60-year-old guy in history. Also, I didn't sign up for any long-term care, but I have no debt. I'm single, no kids, but that may change if I buy this fancy place. <laughs> okay, Gregory, love this. All right, so first of all, you've got two things here that are issues. One, Florida has had a big inflation in home values in a relatively short period of time, starting with the COVID cycle in 20. And if you look back in the Zillow records on the condo you're looking at, Go in with your eyes wide open because you'll see what units in that building that sold for, let's say, what they sold for in 2018, 2019, and what you're having to pay today. So the market may have run ahead of what will ultimately prove to be fair value. So you may have a pricing problem going in. If this is your forever remaining place, you're happy with the idea of living in Pompano, and you're not that freaked about, well, it was, you know, 450000 four years ago, and now it's 750000 If that's not a factor for you, that would be a-okay. The time bomb, though, is the condo fee. You've not said how close you are to the ocean. You said it's beautiful views, but you've not said... Are you on the intercoastal? Are you inland a little? Are you oceanfront? The condominiums along the Florida coast are facing significantly higher maintenance issues because of the tragic condo collapse in South Florida. And so you want to know what kind of reserves do they have and do they have a five-year plan where the reserves are adequate for that. And does the five-year plan seem realistic? You should ask for these documents as part of the process of buying. Um, as far as the amount of money you have, you're doing great. You 
can afford, obviously, to buy this place. You have a lot of cash from the home you sold already. So that's not a major issue. It's just what's waiting there for you with future obligations you may face with that particular building. From John in Colorado, Clark, I received a Ting device that monitors the electrical circuitry in my home. It was sent to me by my insurance company to prevent fires. Is using this in my home a good idea, or are we opening ourselves up to any exposure? So, John, um, the exposure you have. If you find with the Ting device that there is a problem and you don't fix it, that may cause you a problem with your insurer and liability risk, potentially. I like for people to not think of ignorance as bliss. When you have a problem with electrical or you have a problem with water supply in your home, knowing more is to your advantage and the insurer's advantage. Now, let's talk about the water. You know, roughly a third of all claim costs for homes are water damage. And that's why a lot of insurers now want you to put in some kind of water monitoring system from a basic one to one that has to have a plumber involved. Electrical, based on the age of your home, your insurer may be worried about the quality of electric lines in your home. I think that's something that could save your life, saves them money, could save your life. So I wouldn't feel bad about having that device sent to you by your insurer. I'm happy that they sent it. If there is a problem, I hope that you will address it. So uh, I like for insurers, because the losses insurers are suffering, they're not doing it out of the warmth of their hearts. They're doing it to try to reduce claims. This is a case where you win and they win if you prevent a problem that could be a danger to life, health, or your wallet. Uh, Coming up ahead, for your home, having internet, something that has been a study and frustration for a generation, but we're on the cusp of things getting much better from a consumer perspective. I want to give you my latest update on that. There's a lot of change taking place straight in plain sight about internet service. And I want to give an example that my brother and I were talking about, my oldest brother, my niece, his daughter, has a home in a rural area, and the internet had always been expensive and terrible. And she bought Starlink. It's one of the Elon Musk things from SpaceX. Starlink is this little addressable receiver that then pulls down a fantastic internet connection right from the sky. Not cheap. Starlink, depending on your address, typically base price is at 110 a month. But you have really reliable, high-speed internet, and we've had such strong feedback that's been positive from people who have had Starlink. It's been a great experience for her, but my brother set it up. My brother was laughing. He calls me. He says, okay, I took the thing out, put it on the ground, and it started searching, found the signal, and instantly had internet. Now, my brother's really technically adept, so anything like that's easy for him. But he said, no, even I could do it. (laughs) And my niece is really, really happy with it. But right now, 
Starlink is kind of a unique product. It doesn't have the ultra-slow response and the data caps and all that that traditional satellite providers of Internet had for people in rural areas. You know, people who go on cruises have always complained about Internet service on cruises. And now more and more cruise ships have Starlink on it. And now people have much faster Internet at lower cost than they had before with the really lame satellite internet providers that cruise ships had before. Amazon is introducing later this year its own competitor, satellite-based with ultra-fast internet, and the fight coming between Bezos and Musk is going to be really awesome for all of us. Let these middle-aged billionaires, who are very interesting characters, let them slug it out And people in rural America, people with RVs, people in any of a variety of situations that need access to internet and need it to be mobile or portable or stationary in a rural area are going to find that this competition is tremendously beneficial to you, your wallet, and the reliability. I think about what Starlink has done for the Ukrainians and their fight against Putin and how helpful Starlink has been in their war effort fighting back against the Russian invaders. It's made a significant difference on the battlefield. It's just one case where these portable, easy-to-use internet devices, internet receiving stations have made differences in ways I don't know that anybody could have predicted. Now, that doesn't deal with urbanized zones because generally in an urbanized zone, we've been stuck with the cable monster. That's the only choice people have had. The cable monsters have been very aggressive, raising prices on their internet. Speeds are really good in most cases, much better than they used to be from the cable monsters. But they have faced no price competition. Today, It's an imperfect competitive example, but T-Mobile and Verizon both and more and more of the country are now offering their version of cellular-based wireless internet using the totally misunderstood 5G to provide internet at a cost significantly lower than what you pay the cable monster. And T-Mobile, for its embedded customer base, offering their home internet for, most cases, $30 a month flat. Compare that to what you're paying the cable monster. And in the case of Verizon, more typically $50 a month in competition with the cable monster. Now, in Verizon's case, Verizon in certain parts of the country has wired lines. They have um, fiber installed. In that case, they tend not to offer their cheaper wireless version for the 50 a month. You have to pay more if Verizon offers a wired internet where you live. But if you live in an area that is not a Verizon wired territory, you as a Verizon cellular customer or mobile customer may be eligible to try their cheaper home internet 
And in either case, if you are Verizon or T-Mobile, you're fed up with what you're paying for home internet, you may want to try it for a month with either of them. If it's working for you, you dump the cable monster and lower your monthly bill. Krista? This is from John in Virginia. My Barclay credit card is being switched over to Wells Fargo. Do I need to find another credit card since Wells Fargo has been so deceptive with customers or wait and see how it goes? So credit cards are relatively low risk as a connection to a bank. And so I think it's okay to give Wells a try if they've ended up buying your portfolio, the portfolio of card you had, and just watch them, see how they behave. And Wells does have a really good 2% cash back card. And you may, if you're going to Wells for a card, you may want to see if that one would be appropriate for you to do instead of the migration that you're doing with your card going to Wells from another provider. Sarah in Colorado says, we always max out our Roth IRA, but this year our income is a little tight. We have $60,000 in our emergency fund. Should I use money from the emergency fund to max out our Roth IRA, even though it will take a long time to pay the emergency fund back? I don't know, based on what you've said here, Sarah, how many months cushion that 60000 buys you. And I'm not talking about what you earn as income, what your monthly expenses are. If that sixty k buys you six months of living expense, I would be comfortable at you reducing that cushion down to a smaller number of months by moving money into the Roth to fully fund it. If that 60, though, covers, let's say, three months of living expenses or less, again, not knowing what your financial situation is, I would keep the money in the emergency fund and not fully fund the Roth this year. But can't you always withdraw what you put into a Roth and not the earnings? It is true, but I um, and I was thinking about that as I was speaking. I'm always nervous when somebody has a smaller cushion that then the Roth IRA becomes like a uh, piggy bank yeah. for them. That's why I'm using months of living costs is kind of like a threshold. So, I mean, the simplest term is the more you're past three months of living expenses in your rainy day, the more comfortable I am you pulling money from that rainy day account to fund the Ross. Robert in North Carolina says, Clark and I have some similarities. We both love cruising and love doing it for as low cost as possible. I know about trying to book cruises after shoulder season, etc. But my question is about a way to save after I have my cruise booked. Are there any risks to buying used cruise line gift cards like Carnival through a reseller website such as Raise or Card Cash? Assuming the cards I get are legitimate, is there any risk that I can't use multiple cards to pay for my cruise fare? Uh, this is a very interesting question. Robert, I don't know if I saw you in an airport or something because someone just asked me this question. Oh, wow. Yeah, out of the blue. And no one had ever asked me this question here. You're asking it here on the podcast. So someone just asked me the question, what airport was I in? Oh, it was in Fort Lauderdale. All right. So I would say it's based on the reseller website, what their written guarantee is if the card is actually empty. 
if there's no value there, if the card that is sold to you turns out to uh, there's no money on it, are you fully refunded by that? And is, is that in writing from the reseller if the card turns out to have no value? If so, and you're getting, let's say, um, 10% or more discount on the cost of a cruise, it seems like a worthy thing. And I want to talk about the travel gift cards. Both Alaska Airlines and Southwest have been doing deals off and on with the warehouse clubs. And right now, the I think Sam's Club is doing one tied in with Southwest. And you buy these gift cards typically at 10% off retail. So you buy the gift card and you get a flat 10% essentially off of any airfare you buy if you regularly fly that airline. Uh, buying these direct from one of the warehouse clubs, they're electronic gift cards, they're not physical gift cards, I think is a, a very viable strategy to save money on air travel if you can and do regularly fly an airline that's offering them. And again, the only two I've seen are Southwest and Alaska. In the case of the cruise lines, I think you need to look at that same trigger threshold. The savings needs to be 10% or more to make it worth the risk of whatever could possibly go wrong with that gift card. Now, I want to tell you that that does it for us for today. And we are here to serve you, though, around the clock. The sun never sets on Clark.com. And we are there with advice and information you can use for your wallet with advice that in my heart, in my head, I know you can trust the information because everything we do is for you. And we also have Clark deals. If you like to save money on purchases that you do throughout your day and your life, check out ClarkDeals.com because this is all about you and we're all part of Team Clark. Have a great day.